It's Song Talk Radio. Welcome back to the show, folks. So glad you can join us here again on Song Talk Radio. If you're new to all this, this is the show where we talk about songwriting. Uh, basically, we all share tips and tricks and things we've learned along the way. And in the end, hopefully, we all learn at least three new things on how to write better songs each and every show. Uh, during the show, you can always send us your thoughts on anything we talk about here on the show to uh, feedback at songtalk.ca. Uh, I am your host tonight, tonight Phil Emery, and uh, my usual partner in crime, Neil Modi, is away jamming with his band. So we have a longtime friend of the show, one of the main guys behind the excellent Song Studio Workshop series, songwriting professor and amazing songwriter uh, with frontman of the Jitters and uh, writes for TV and all that film and all that stuff. And a very fine uh, house guest as well. Blair Packham is here. Great to have you back on the show again, Blair. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. It's always good to be, uh, always good to chat with you about songs or anything else. Awesome. Yes, it's been far too long. And uh, tonight, our guest is Greg Waird, uh, a Toronto singer, songwriter, guitarist, and bass player who has been diligently working as craft since he was just 10 years old. Thanks for coming on the show, Greg. Thanks for having me. And of course, this is your second uh, appearance on the show, I believe. Yes, I was here about just under a year ago, I think. I had another song called um, Working Like a Charm. So yes. Thanks for taking a break from working on your stuff since you were 10 years old to, to join us. Yes, I, I, I'm so busy working constantly from, since the age of 10, I, I had to stop right. myself. Just I, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, before we get started, a couple of things. Don't forget um, about our 2023 Songwriting Challenge to write a song in a mode you are unfamiliar with. And if you need more background on modes, you can stop by songtalk.ca slash songwritingchallenge2023 for a page of mode resources. Um, what are your thoughts on um, modes, uh, Blair? I don't really understand them. <laughs> I, uh, I mean, I do. Greg can explain, I'm sure, because he's a very educated musician and he's been working on modes since he was 10. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, no, no, I I, uh, I mean, as I understand it, modes are, are the different notes of the scale. Tell me, Greg, if I'm wrong. Um, so different notes of the scale. So it's just a different uh, starting place in, in, in the key of C, for instance, uh, starting on D would be a different mode than starting on C. And it has a name that I can't remember. Is that Darian? Yeah. By the way, I I I didn't know anything about this until I was explained in in uh, in university, and it was um, uh, yeah. If you use the white notes on the keyboard, you can find all the modes starting C's, Ionian, D's is uh, Dorian, E is Mixolydian. But it's the intervals between the notes. The major scale is is you know tone tone semitone tone 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 semitone. And then as you go up, the intervals change and you can write a song using those different uh, intervals, not just not just major or minor, but also these sort of sharp four, you know, on, uh, it gives a different feel to this to the song. That's different that's, feel uh, melodically and harmonically or. or yeah, because the chords are different. Like what is what is major and what is minor? And then, you know, where the diminished will hit, it will be different too, I believe. Yeah, I'm a songwriting professor. I should know all this, but I never, I never have to teach it because I leave that to the music teachers. It's, it's one of those, I mean, it's the thing you could just do and, and not even know you were doing it. You right. know, it's, 
if right. you put a term to it, it's it's that's what it is. But it's it's you know many singers just do it and it sounds great, and you just go, that's great. You know why? And you don't right. don't want to explain why. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hopefully, I'm one of those people. But uh, yeah, so that's my experience with modes, Phil. <laughs> and Greg, are you a big uh, modal user? Um. Uh, I like I like the F sharp sometimes in in the key of C, you know, da, 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 da. like Maria, Maria, I just had a girl named Maria. You, you could say that would be the sharp four, right? I, and I don't remember which mode that is. So there you go. See, oh, um, Lydian, I believe that is, is Lydian. Lydian. I think, I think you're that right. is Lydian. Yeah, yeah. Because I've been yeah. I've been looking at Lydian from uh, from my song, and it's. Um, Really neat. I thought, like I think it's in Lydian, but I'm not sure. But I well, then again, you could say it's a song is in the key of G, but you're playing on the fourth chord, which is the C, and then you're playing the F sharp that's in there. So it's it's all but perspective, right? Because if yeah. you're in the key of C right. and then the G, then uh, anyway, it can yeah. get really technical and. Yeah, I mean, this is going to be a, str uh, a stretch, but the idea is that by taking this challenge. You know, you'll you'll expand your songwriting brain a bit. You know, so. right? And and you'll hear different sounds, and I think that totally makes sense. You know, I, I my default because I'm lazy is to to say, uh, well, Paul McCartney never needed that, you know, and so forth. And he didn't, but he's an example of what Greg was talking about—somebody who did stuff like that naturally, and um, and didn't need to name it, you know. But stretching your musical vocabulary is always good. Yeah, and it's also good to get out of your own habits because it's really easy to fall back on those right. um but uh, you can send in your songs we've been getting some great uh, songs uh, sent in so you just send them to a uh, feedback at songtalk.ca they don't have to be fully produced or even finished um you just include your chords and perhaps a bit of the process and we'll play them on uh, usually two or three um shows dedicated to our listeners um challenge songs are really fun really great stuff and of course, um, some sad news. Uh, just the other day, um, Savannah Connor uh, passed away. Um, just fifty-six years old, and um, has had a very troubled life. And it's, uh, but what a what a talent! Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Very troubled life. Her her seventeen-year-old son committed suicide, I believe, last year, and. Uh, she said at the time she was going to have difficulty going on from there and uh, she was sort of rescued in a sense but I, I and i i don't know her cause of death but certainly that added to what was already a, a troubled and and uh, and controversial life in certain ways and uh, uh but but a fearless artist and somebody who um uh, you know, who really uh, took a stand for things she believed in and um, and had a great voice and wrote some great songs. So, you know, somebody I admire. Yeah, yeah, I, I had just watched I had just watched the documentary on her about two, three months ago. And uh, it was it was fascinating. I mean, I had no idea how young she was. She was just 20, really, when she when she sort of got signed, you know, so she started very young, but a troubled um upbringing i think in a very irish catholic strict uh, upbringing that sort of shaped some of her feelings about uh, the catholic church and and what you know how she rebelled i think later on and um but that for that first that first hit she had i, I can't remember the name of the song it's like 
when I feel no doubt. Oh, Mandy, that's yeah, I, I love that. Yeah, I just know by sound. When I when I heard, I, oh yeah, I love that song. I love that weird angular melody. Oh, you know, you know, And the fact that it was because everybody thinks of um, the, the Prince song. The Prince you know, song, nothing compares to you. Nothing compares yeah. to you. But that was the one that that uh, stood out, you know, initially and. And yeah, it was just, it was, she was such a bright spark and she made a couple of blunders, I think, uh, alienating people early on. And, and it, you know, I, I, I have more power to her for speaking her mind, but I think she, she found herself in some tough times, you know, through that, uh, through, through life, you know, so. Yeah. Um... Amazing, talented, brilliant musician, you know, right, right. Deserved all the all the credit that she got as a as a, as a, you know, as a performer and, and, a, and a songwriter too she, yeah. she was a phil i'm curious if you've ever had chris burkett on the show yes uh, okay yeah chris co-produced uh nothing compares to you yes ah. right by sinead o'connor along with um Oh, I've forgotten who he co-produced it with, but anyway, he he co co-produced that and and uh, was it Nick Bogana? Bogana? No, no, it wasn't Nick. It was uh, oh, I've got the name on the tip of my tongue. During one of Greg's answers, I'll suddenly blurt it out. Like what? You know. But uh, anyway, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Chris, Chris certainly had had some interesting stories about Sinead and about that experience. Yes, yeah, he was, uh, and and quite a, a great artist in his mm-hmm. his own self, and very very positive energy, and uh, very, yeah, and uh, as positive as uh, Sinead was troubled, I think, in some ways. Um, yeah, that's a good way of putting it. I think, in fact, yeah, yeah, he certainly. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's a great show. Um, that was that was back in the before times, and uh, we'll link to that in the show notes. All right, let's get on to our guest, uh, Toronto singer songwriter Greg Wired. Latest song, Suddenly Everything's Alright, presents a refreshing blend of sounds, reminiscent of Phil Collins infused with the timeless charm of Motown. With heartfelt lyrics and a captivating melody, the song takes listeners on an exhilarating journey of love, discovery, and unyielding optimism. A spirited rhythm section characterized by an infectious piano arrangement and jangly 12-string guitars creates an irresistible groove that will have audiences swaying and singing along in no time, and we'll take a quick little listen to it now. You took forever to find You were hiding in plain sight I kept on walking on What a great tune to listen to the whole thing later on. So I think you've already been on the show once. Uh, Greg, I want to sort of throw something out. Um, Do you think um, that... Think about how your songwriting process has changed over the years. Do you think you've you've changed your process maybe in the last 10, 15 years, Greg? Yes, I think um, 
trying to simplify things. I was always very uh, resistant to conforming. I, I think I remember because I, I that's funny. I met Blair like back in 2000. I used to go to a lot of these song workshops. Um, you know, um, um, tape of the tape, this kind of stuff, and I bring my stuff. And um, I think I think it was Amy Sky or somebody. I remember saying, "You should write everything, eight bars, eight bars, sixteen bars." You know, like like very rigid, just just this sort of formula. You know, for, I guess talking about a hit song. You know, what makes a hit song? And I was and and my, I had songs that have like weird length bars and extra bars of two here and you know. And I'm thinking, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to stick to my guns and 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 change keys, you know, put guitar solos in and stuff. So I was a bit resistant. And I mean, it depends what you want out of it. I mean, everybody wants to be, um, you want to find that balance between a hit song and not compromising what you enjoy. So I think, I think I have finally sort of tried to at least be aware of that the, the structure, you know, the even structure. And, and this, this song is, I guess, indicative of, more more of that you know it's it's very it's very few chords it's just eight bars eight bars you know repeated um and 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 not i mean not not like i wrenched it into that it kind of evolved into that but i but i think that is a, that is a change yeah for sure that's well i think that's really uh, interesting greg um because it doesn't sound like that it doesn't, no? I mean, it doesn't sound like it's, it's, it has, it doesn't sound like prog rock, you know, it doesn't suddenly sound like gentle giant or something like that, but it, but it, it doesn't like at no point, I, I often tell my students, you know, nobody complains when you have, well, if you use the same structure as other songs, because the students always want to resist, you know, anything that's normal, quote unquote, and because uh, they're young and, and, and they feel like, well, that'll make them seem not as special or something. But I think that, I don't think anybody cares as long as the song makes them feel something. Mm. I feel this song does that. I feel it's a successful song in that it makes me feel something. I get what you're trying to say and I dig it. So it's kind of like, I'm not thinking, well, it's only eight bars and, and then it's another eight bars. Like, what are we doing? You know? <laughs> so, yeah. So I, um, yeah, it's interesting you say that. Well, I think, um, you know, I've heard it said that, you write songs for other songwriters who mm. appreciate all those wacky little sort of inside jokes or, you know, but you don't want to alienate the average listener because most people don't listen to music that way. They, they listen to it with sort of their soul. They don't kind of sit there and go, oh, that's kind of an interesting rhyme scheme or, right. you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, there's some people who do, and I'm not saying there's no one who does, but yeah. it's... Um... There, there are lots of people who love puzzles, and if your song presents a puzzle of sorts, which I think some do, I think that's great for those people. There are lots of people, I would argue most people, just want to be moved by a song. Like when they hear something new, especially when it's from a friend, my argument is they really want it to be moving so they can turn to their friend and go, oh my God, that's great, I love that rather than going, yeah, nice, <laughs> sort of being unenthusiastic. I think people really want to be moved. I think that's why we watch TV and movies and we want to feel something and songs do the same thing or can do the same thing. And the risk being clever, clever, let's say, as opposed to just clever, um, is, uh, is that you alienate people because their brains kick in and they start having, and they, maybe it starts to seem like work. I, I'm not sure. 
Yeah. Yeah. You do something to draw, draw them. Like I, I still, I'm, I'm not going to stop trying those clever, clever songs once in a while, yeah. but this, this is a way perhaps of, of bringing them in. I mean, I mean, I, I don't, I don't feel like I compromised anything in the end with this song. Like I'm, I'm happy with it. I, I, I don't, I don't think I should have added anything to it. I put a solo in it and I thought, Oh, that's, that's, that's a bit, even that's a bit risky these days, you know, these days. but, but yeah. it just, it just screamed for solo. Like, you know, it doesn't, it didn't make sense to just do a, a, a first bridge and then not have a solo, you know, you're, um, you're so musical too, that like, it's not like the solo is going to be lame. In my opinion, the solo is going to be going to be great. And it's going to be another interesting part. So, so, uh, you know, it's not like a solo for a solo's sake. It's a solo because you felt as the creator, it needed it there, which I think is a good reason, not because like, Oh, now I can show them how I can, you know, uh, you know, wheedle on the guitar. Now, that's a mode we didn't talk about. Why, by the way, the Wheedling mode. Wheedling mode. <laughs> Wheedling mode. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I look at the the solo as it's it's very similar to the melody. It's really just the melody is and the solo is it's just it's just a variation on the melody. So it's not really a it's not it's not a finger tapping solo or you know or yeah, really a look at me sort of solo. solo. Yeah, and, um, right. I mean the song doesn't sound simple. I mean melodically, it's actually quite you know it's, it's quite complex. There's lots of movement to it. Versus a lot of songs which today have very small uh, movements and very um, limited sure, ranges. Yeah. Yeah, but that's a also a style. I and mean, that, that could also change in, you know, 10 years. In 10 years, maybe people go, oh, that's that's all the old fashioned and everyone will be doing. 10 years, that. three years, five years. Yeah. Three uh, years, yeah. Yeah. I mean, things change pretty quickly in terms of audience taste and, and so forth. But often things come back. You know, it's, yeah. it's hard to say. It's funny, um, Greg, I think in like, I'm older than you. And I think that if I'm older than everybody, by the way, but um, I think that uh, everyone in the uh, world, you, you mentioned I'm a thousand years old. You, you, you mentioned Phil Collins in the description of the song. Um, and I, and I like in my world at the time that I came up, that would be a totally uncool reference. I don't think what was uncool when I was sort of coming up, is relevant now like i think in other words i think mentioning phil collins is it's apt because your voice actually it is kind of like a phil collins interpretation of motown no, it's funny you should say that because because yeah i've thought i've often thought the same thing i've always thought the people i mentioned i sound like don't sound you know cool enough but i but i i think maybe because phil collins has recently re retired or you know maybe there's a demand for his his voice again or you know and 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 I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not going to sound like a, an authentic original Motown artist. I don't think I'm, I'm kind of doing a, an homage to, right. to one. Right. So, so, you know, I've got the, I've got the four to the bar snare in the chorus. That's, you know, with the tambourine. So I thought Phil Collins was a good reference because he, he, he does, he does it the way I would do it, I suppose, you know, right, right. but when you say the, un, the uncool thing, I, I had thought of that too. And, and I, I'm curious to, I'm sort of throwing that bio out there to see, see if it sticks or see how people respond to it, you know? Yeah. I, I really think my take on it is not important because, um, no, I'd, I'd, love, to, I'd love to hear Phil it. Collins, but, uh, well, no, but I mean, I think Phil Collins for, for people like, you know, from my era, uh, not that I'm that old, but you know, the 1920s, we yeah, had yeah. flappers and, uh, I was a bootlegger. Um, and I used to drive, uh, boats across Lake Ontario filled with whiskey. Um, those were the days, but, um, no, I'm not that old. Um, but it, nonetheless, I think that Phil Collins is a reference that I would have probably avoided 
And not because he's not great, because he is. He's undeniably great. But I, I, it's funny because I'll mention things to to younger people, and I'll say, "Well, I don't know if you want to say that," and they're like, "Why not?" It's people of my age think that's cool, and I have to adjust all the time. Well, they don't have a reference to it. It's just music, like you know, people. You know, there's a real bit of a resurgence of BGS now because people are realizing how many amazing songs they 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 put out. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Yeah, and they would have been an uncool reference. They would have been totally cool in the '60s. Oh yeah, less so perhaps in the '70s, and by the '80s, a, a bit of a joke maybe. And yet, uh, you know, people who weren't around in those decades don't care. You know, yeah, they don't have any of those. This whole Spotify thing, you know, you have to put on who do you sound like, who who you're right. if you're doing ads, so you're forced into this thing. And I'm having a hell of a time really coming up with you know um, artists. That, that, have you, you know, it's difficult have you know? included neil finn because i've yeah. always thought you sound like neil finn oh no, yeah without yeah, sounding definitely. exactly like him i mean arguably you sound more like phil collins but to me you you share a lot and your songwriting shares a lot with neil finn and crowded house oh thank you and, and these artists artists i just listen and love you know so it's yeah. it's, 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 it's yeah. and it fully is a compliment yeah thank you yeah. thank you very much but do you, uh, you know from a marketing standpoint like people say i don't want to sound like anyone well it does help if someone is just looking at, well, not hearing music, but looking at your your media. It helps them to sort of say, oh, you sound like Tool or you sound like Taylor Swift. Just because they'll go, oh, I like Taylor Swift or, or I like Tool or whatever it is. Mm. As opposed to, you know, there's this, for a while people are saying, oh, we shouldn't categorize music at all. And that's just, right. that's just I mean, it's a nice idea. It doesn't yeah. mean you can't like lots of different kinds. But if you really love Tool, then you might like other stuff that sounds like Tool. I mean, I do think there's a danger with over-categorization, the fragmentation of, of, you know, music. You know, when you have different genres that pop up that sound a lot like, you know, you have one genre of, of hip-hop that sounds a lot like another genre, but the hi-hats are faster. Therefore, it's a completely different genre. It's like, no, it's not. It's just the same genre with faster hi-hats. That's all. But for some reason, people are like, no, but that's this and not that. And it, it, it's I find it frustrating. And I and I really I also think it's a danger because I think that it's the man, if I may, my old hippiness coming through. Um, it's like it's Mark. It's big marketers. You know, it's easier for them to market to you if something is, you know, uh, if you're more targeted. So, you know, if you only like rap songs uh, that have a beat in the key of A minor, then, you know, you can find a, a serious XM station that plays only that, you know. Yeah. Well, and like, I think it's, it's bad. So. It's like uh, dance music, you know, they have like B, uh, BPM ranges. It's like, oh, it's this kind. It's like techno between 120 and 135. Right. And if it's 160, then it's drum and bass or, you know, it's all these... Right. Different well, when, I, when I put the song on Spotify, there was so many genres. I actually did screenshots of, of you know, the drop down list and printed them out and put them on the floor because it was a, it was like maybe 80 on genres that I could have been part of. And I was just like, I think I picked, you know, singer, songwriter, rock, singer, pop or something. You know, I picked three because you can only pick three, you know, and there's no way to do it. Um, but you, you, ha you have to you have to you're sort of forced on Spotify to uh, categorize yourself. And, and, you yeah. know, and I don't all know, of us, it might have big implications if you get it wrong. I don't know. Right. Yeah. yeah. The world will blow up. All yeah. of us have faced that question, though, from our friends and family and, and fans. Um, you know, what kind of music do you call this? 
And you sort of, you know, I don't know about you guys, but I always go, well, I don't know. And I sort of hem and haw. Mm. Um, the one time I very uh, firmly said, it's pop music to somebody. The woman I said it to got really offended. It's not pop music. It's, I think this is music like Bob Dylan might make or the Beatles or the Rolling Stones. And I'm like, yeah, well, that's pop music in my world. I guess she meant at the time, I don't know, Taylor Swift. It didn't sound like Taylor Swift, but she really had a thing against pop music. So therefore I might've alienated her. But it means popular, right? Yeah. So at some time these things were and still are in some ways pop popular and that's what it means it's, yeah you know, and i i feel for me i mean pop music like anything that isn't jazz or classical <laughs> well, <laughs> not narrowing it down for her very much i have to say but uh, yeah if if somebody asks you what how would you describe your music other than the spotify uh you know other than phil collins reference how would you say it greg oh now you mean yeah uh, um I, I, I cite my influences, I suppose, you know, I, I say, like, like you just said, Phil Collins, Peter Gabriel, uh, Sting, I, I like, I like all these artists, you know, if you like those, that's the things I sing, mostly, uh, Don Henley, I love his voice, you know, I'm not saying I sound like them all, but that's who influenced me. So it's probably in there, you know, right? Yeah, it definitely is in there. I would agree. Is Crowded House an influence? Oh, for sure. Yeah. 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 I used to love split ends, you know, back in high school, you know, and then, uh, so credit house in 88, I think when they, when they played in, in Ottawa, you know, when they were in their thirties, yeah. uh, with the original drama, uh, Hester, Paul Hester. Hester yes. yeah. yeah. So, and then, and then saw him about a month ago and he still sounds fantastic. That was at the Budweiser stage. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he sound, and his son, his son sounds like him. Yeah. His, it's like his voice, he passed his voice on to his son exactly. And, and his son does this whole, when I saw them at Massey Hall, his son opened, uh, this is five years ago maybe, but he, he did a whole thing, he did the looping thing. So he would play a drum groove and then get up and play the bass and then get oh. up and play guitar. And it was very tedious, I have to say, because it took every, like he only played like five songs in the opening set because it took so long to get it going. And then he would, then he'd sing something and his voice was remarkably like Neil Finn. Oh, okay. No, I didn't, I, no, he wasn't doing that at the, this show. Yeah. Okay, well, maybe he's- Of course, there's two sons. Now there's the guitar player son and the drummer son. I, I don't right, even... right. Uh, Liam and, and I don't, yeah. I don't know the other one's name, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway. So Greg, let's get back to um, songwriting. What was the process yes. of writing this uh, this latest one? Th this was a, a, one of those dream things. When the chorus was actually, you know, when you record something into a phone, um, that, that, suddenly everything's all right. That was literally one of those, you know, which I love when you get those because then you got something you didn't really try for. You know, right, and then I, just, and then I put it away. Yeah, yeah, it was like a, you know, I, I wake up and I've just been singing a song. You know, I don't know if you get that, but you you hear a great a finished song in your head, and you're enjoying it, and then you suddenly wake up and you suddenly go, oh my god, that was that was a song I've never heard before. Oh, I gotta I gotta sing it. And then as you're singing it, you as you're singing the verse, you forget the chorus. I know it's true. Like Jordan. it's so annoying. You know, you you had the verse and the chorus, and you get one. So I got the that chorus, and I just thought that was, and it just sounded like an upbeat sort of song. And then, um, and then it's like what you know, I I had to keep the suddenly everything's all right because that's that just fit the word. So now I've got to find. But what do I write this song about? You know, it sounds sounds something like something positive. It's like a bit like. Uh, Everything's gonna be all right, you know the Bob Marley, the three little words kind of vibe, you know. And then it was just um, um, 
and that Motown, that Motown beat. And yeah, then it was just like working backwards, you know, finding, finding something to write about. And then I thought, you know, a, um, a, re a relationship where you meet somebody and, um, they've been there all the time and, and nothing happened. And then suddenly everything happens one day and, you know, very, very simple. I was, I was going for simple, you know, I was trying to keep it simple. And then a couple of references. I, I, you know, I like that line walk in the park, uh, instead of central park, you know, one, one thing contrasting a park, walk in the park with walk in central park at night, you know, kind of like those two. Yeah. Now it's a walk in the park, not a walk through central park in the dead of night. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's good. It, it goes against one of my, one of my rules, uh, quote unquote rules, but rhyming the same word with the same word. But in this case, it like, it's worth it. You know, okay, you'll allow that yeah. in, in my opinion. No, yes, no, I, I get that. Yeah, you actually built up the lyrics sort of after you came, you came up basically with the riff of the of the melody and then built the lyrics sort of around that. Yeah, yeah, and I, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure I the lyrics the last thing because because I did come up with the ver the verse, you know, the, but the verse is very simple, just just that little piano. I'm not a piano player, but I can play that ding 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 ding. You know, with that with that little. So that that was a thing that I, you know, that was a part a part that I had. Before, I think before I coming up with the tune, so all my piano playing is very primitive. But the but the line um, suddenly everything's all right came with the music at the same time. Yeah, that was the dream thing. Suddenly everything's all right. I've still got the clip somewhere, you know, with the bad recording. So, so yeah, yeah, like a middle of the night recording. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you get do you get those or do you ever get those the moments? Yeah, yeah. Phil, do you get those? Yeah, and once in a while I actually do the smart thing and wake up and actually sing it, but other times. Go, oh, I'll remember it, and you won't oh, yeah, remember yeah. it. You oh, will no. not remember. Oh, then there's, I, there's times when you when you listen to the recording the next morning and you're singing an octave lower, like uh, 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 A minor, uh, D minor, uh, you know that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I sometimes come up with story ideas in the middle of the night, and I will, and 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 I. I always think I'm a wide awake and I'll say, and then she walks to the door and then she says, hello. And then suddenly there's a birthday cake and you know, whatever it is. And then I listen to it the next day and I'm like, Oh my God, that's nutty. <laughs> it's not always song for me. Yeah. 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 Well, and of course, Blair, cause you, you start off often with lyrics. Yeah. Often. First often. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, do them. Yeah. So it's, you know, self-deprecatingly, I would say that's why my songs aren't so interesting musically. But, you know, I think mostly they are, you know, the ones I finish, I think by then I put in the work musically. But but uh, the ones that I don't finish are, are songs that I've started lyrically and they end up with a two note melody and they're not that, you know, they're not that that good. But, yeah, I do like to start with lyrics. So it's interesting to me that Greg started with the line, suddenly everything's all right, because that is like starting with a title. And then, as Greg said, working your way backwards. So you start thinking, well, what is this song going to be about? Suddenly, what's everything? What's all right? You know, as you say, it becomes a relationship. And then it's like, OK, but then suddenly is the operative word there. It's, you know, because things weren't all right and now they are. But it's not like they, they became that way over 10 years or five years or whatever. They became that way suddenly. And, and, and I think, therefore, writing this kind of Phil Collins-esque take on on Motown is perfect because a lot of Motown songs are like that. They're about the moment. 
mm. right? The, the moment when something happened. A lot of songs are about something really small that's made into a three and a half minute song. Yeah. You know, some some small little observation or some small feeling. And and this is somebody, I think the person in the song is thinking, hey, yeah, I feel good. You know? Which is actually not a kind of song you would write in your 20s, generally. Yeah, probably not. Yeah, like that's, you have to have a certain amount of maturity to accept when things are good. Because yeah. uh, many people say, oh, if, you know, things are going too well, it's boring or something. Right. After a while, you're going, you know what? I've had enough crap in my life. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's take a listen to it and um, we'll talk about it some more. Great. Oh, 
Thank you. Um, I wanted to call attention to um, a really, really effective technique of of bringing um, contrast between the verse and the chorus. Um, and of course, that is by changing the rhythm. You know, your your verses were da 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 da, da like lots of space between them, and a very right. and very consistent all the way through. And then your and then your chorus is, you know, the change it, it picks up the the pace, the rhythm really changes, and it helps the um, the chorus pop um, without having to use like big, um, you know, big guitars or big sort of not even a, a huge musical change. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, it's, it was just the rhythm, and it's so effective because it's so chorusy, you know. And it just picks it up, but there's like an energy buildup, which is what you want, of course, but it's not, you know, um, done with, uh, uh, you know, lots of uh, instrumentation, which is really yeah. cool. Okay. No, thanks. We were talking about, um, we did sort of a deep dive into uh, this, uh, this Guy's in Love by Bert uh, Bacharach, which is... Oh, yeah. This Guy's in Love. Which after yeah. listening to it um, a bunch of times, I realized how crappy the chorus is. Um because it's there is no chorus really. It's it's actually the dullest thing. It actually sounds like it's something that someone would write down. And go okay, well I'll fix that later. And he never did. And the way yeah, they make it a big chorus right? is just by yeah. like orchestration by putting all uh-huh. these uh, chords on it and stuff. Um, but this is yeah, it's it's so great. And I love the um, the last line of the bridge with that musical change with a, with a melodic change of the last of, uh, of the bridge and the, Oh, the right. Yeah. That is so sweet. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Just, Oh, what what do you think, uh, Blair? Yeah, I agree. I'm, uh, I love the picking up of the pace, uh, of the, without, you know, choruses are often, not always, of course, but they're often longer notes, you know, Suddenly, everything's all right. right. You know, it's like, no, don't do that. Um, so nowadays, I think about you. You know, it's it's great. It's uh, it it doubles up the pace in a beautiful way, and uh, yeah, and 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 really announces this is the chorus. So it works for me. I, I, you're right about that because I hadn't really thought about that. People tend to do verse short notes and then the chorus is where you go longer maybe right yeah yeah in a way it's kind of reverse which i haven't really thought about so yeah i mean it's, you know obviously courses what i don't like is when songwriters rely on the production or the arrangement to make, to announce the chorus i feel yeah. like oh, put it in the writing you know um change the chords change the pacing of the melody you know i just think that that's a cooler thing to do but again uh you know people do it all kinds of different ways and whatever works that ends up moving people works for me yeah uh, i'm I'm curious uh, not a songwriting question but um are those live drums yes well actually uh, it, it's it has some sample drums added it's it's troy fina playing drums Beautiful but, I, but I did yeah. uh, combine samples with the kick and snare just, oh, just okay. to keep it up a bit. And and um, does he do recordings in his house? 
like so many yeah. others now? That, that was that was done, i tell you how long ago this song's been out. There was, that, I was going to do a full album in 2020. That was the plan. Right. And most, everybody knows what happened. Yeah. So, I, so I was getting all the, I was getting Troy to do all the drums in his home studio, just in, but with, he's, he's in a small basement without much room sound. So I had to kind of try and add some room sound to it and, and enhance it. But, but yeah, he, he did all that and sent me the stems. Right. And, and then everything else was, was uh, parts that I did. And, Added to right, that. right. And do you do all the parts first and then send it to him, like to MIDI drums or clicks? I just, yeah, I think I just did a rough track. Yeah, I did. I used Superior Drummer and, and did right. the track that I wanted, and you know, as and yeah. as, as close as I could. You know, I, I did have some things. I said I really want to have this. Can we keep this in? But you know, do your own fills and right, right, things around. I do that, and people who aren't songwriters and aren't producing their own recordings might be appalled because they would rather, I think, I think most people would rather imagine there's a band and there's a singer and they're all playing together and they're having a great time. And then they're going to have snacks after or whatever. But, um, but uh, I think the reality is now, particularly in a post COVID world is most great drummers I know have a setup in their, in their house where they can record uh, drums and, so you can get them without, you know, if you were going into a studio, you might have to pay, you know, let's say a thousand bucks for the day in the studio and you'd have to pay the drummer. And of course, if you're going in the studio, you might as well have other musicians as well. So it ends up being a thirty five hundred or four thousand yeah. dollar day. But if you do it the way you and I were describing it, mm. you it ends up being a two hundred dollar day or two hundred and fifty dollar day or something like that. I did a song that I had three different drummers on because I didn't like what the first guy did except for the bridge. I really liked the bridge, but then I thought, well, I've got a little money left. So I had somebody else play a full track in case I liked his bridge better, but I didn't. So then there was a third guy who played it just so, and I loved it. It was sort of an Elvis Costello-y thing. So I wanted it to be like Pete Thomas, but I kept the bridge and the intro, the intro from the second guy and the bridge from the first guy. And you could never do that in the olden days, you know? So to have it suddenly shift and yet it all sounded like it was one drummer, just different sounds was really yeah. cool. Now, if uh, for people out there who are you know wanting to do this, um, you would actually play to a click. And I'm my favorite kind of recording is when you do have a whole band coming in and doing it once, because, you know, I, I don't like clicks and I like, you know, when stuff speeds up and slows down a bit, yeah. that's, yeah. Um, you know, that's my own uh, bugaboo, but it's, you know, everything I do is consistent because I, you know, do MIDI drums like uh, so many people. And right. I've tried a couple of times to get, yeah, you know, drummers yeah. to play on it. Um, yeah. If you do do this, uh, how do you communicate sort of the sections of, uh, Greg, when you're sending this off to the drummer, how are you communicating what you want to the drummer? Do you, like, do you play the song with over the phone with them and, and talk no, to them? I, or? I, I did actually program drums for this song. So I, I did send him a, a, a track of how I envisioned it. I, I, I suppose I was being a little, little pushy, you know, <laughs> um, but, but, you know, and, and the, I, th I think I even sped it up actually, cause it was, it was too slow. I, I sped up the whole track that I sent him one that was too slow and I sped his track up. I actually time stripped all the whole thing afterwards. Um, Cause it, cause it just, I was just, I was listening to different, I was listening to like sugar pie, honey bunch and all these other songs and just trying to get the, the Motown tempo and some of them were too slow. And yeah, I was really picky about where it sits and it, if it's slightly slower, if it's slightly faster, it doesn't quite 
quite fit you know but um but yeah i i, I was i did have a vision of how i wanted it um you know the double time in the in the chorus but you know, I I allowed I said do your own fills. You know, you he's got some really nice drum diddling, ding diddling, diddling. You know, few of those things that were his own. So it was a mixture, really. And how did you find him? Oh, um, through um, well, originally from playing with classical albums live for years. I uh, Russ Russell as well, Russell the guitar player, who who didn't play on the recording, but only because time time restraints when we were doing it. Um, and then Troy, uh, and then we, we play, we play live. We, we play this song live as well um, oh. with the five piece, but with, with Alistair, of course, uh, Alistair Bradley, who, uh, who. From uh, Song Studio. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, um, and Kevin Adamson on bass. Oh, what uh, a great player. On yeah, bass. fantastic. Yeah, I don't know. He's, he's not even playing keyboards. He's playing bass. Yes, that's amazing. Well, and you're a great bass player too. So that that's that's great. That's you, high. You can have a band of just bass players or just keyboard players. Right, know. right. Yeah, the the, um, the Phil. The thing that I found is that's amazing is short of Ringo, you can probably get almost anybody to record. It's just the price goes up depending on who it is. But um, but people are are interested in making music. And, and if they have a setup in their basement with decent microphones and and so forth, not their basement necessarily, but in their house, um, they'll, you know, you the, like the guy that I work with a lot is Mark Mariash. Do you, have mm-hmm. you ever worked with him, Greg? I know him. But, yeah. uh, Lovely I've guy. Tried, I think I've done any actual playing like recording he, with him he built a geodesic dome on his property out i think it's outside of Alora, somewhere like that near guelph and uh he built a geode- geodesic dome which you think wouldn't sound good but he's treated it so that it does and he's got some great preamps and stuff like that and he's recorded a bunch of things and he always gives me three takes and tells me which one he favors but you might like the intro from this one better or whatever he's really great and um what's his, what's his dome I'm not familiar with this dome that you're talking about. Well, do you know the geodesic dome? Is that an audio setup? Like a no, no. It's a it's a building. It, look it up. Uh, it's designed. Oh. It was originally designed by Buckminster Fuller, and uh, it's a type of building. It's it's where uh, I think they're they're tetrahedrons. I I don't know, but they all fit together, and it it ends up making a dome. Um, oh, it's, it's pretty, pretty interesting. So he, he just wanted to have an interesting building. I don't think it was for the purpose of having a recording studio, but then when he did set up his studio in it, um, you'd, you'd think it would sound terrible just cause it's a dome, you know, how can yeah. a dome sound good, but the way he, he baffled it off and so forth, it really sounds good. Yeah. So, um, yeah. When you, um, hire these, uh, uh, drummers, can you give people an idea of sort of the range of costs that they can expect to pay? I, I don't want to give anything away myself, but I would say the range would be 150 to 250 a song. Okay. Uh, so I don't want to be specific about who charges what. No, but of course, of course. Greg, uh, without uh, forgetting that we named your drummer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's that's. I, I think I I think I did. I think I paid 500 for a, a few. I can't remember how many songs, but you know, it was it was because it was the same session. So I think I did three three or four. Right. Yep. And that's, yeah. and it's, it's a bargain by any standard, oh, yeah. you know, especially, I mean, uh, some of the fantastic drummers I've been able to work with, they're so great. And even if somebody's not great for a particular song, it doesn't mean they're not great. It just means that particular song, they had a different take on it than I did. And, uh, you know, maybe I wanted a different snare sound or something. I don't know. Mm. Yeah. Of course you can actually replace all those in MIDI, but if you are 
working on demos at home, you know, having real live drums can make a real difference. It oh, just brings so much really. energy to it, you know? Yeah. So something to think about, maybe not for every song you do, but if you have a special song that you feel especially strong about, it can be something worthwhile. Or you could just do, uh, maybe we'll start up a, a list on the site of uh, drummers who want to, um, to do this and, uh, you know, so people can go to the site and uh, find someone to work with. Mm. So, um, Greg, did you play all this, all the, all the instruments on here? Or are you, you have yeah. other people playing here? No, I did everything, everything else. Yeah. I mean, the, the piano playing is pretty primitive, so I was able to do, to do that and quantize things, but yeah, I played bass, uh, Rickenbacker 12 string, uh, no, no acoustic on that actually. And then I layered, I lay, I layered the vocals quite a bit. There's about 12 or 13 voices, I think in the last chorus, I was just, just getting this kind of airy sound, just keep, you know, rah, rah, you know, stacking them doing my beach, my beach boys thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I had, I had a lot of fun with it. Yeah. It was, it was, uh, it was, a, it was a fun project to keep adding to. And those, those, it's all right. It's, it's such, it's something that's not done very much anymore, which is really nice. It's, um, the word, it's all right. I, I was thinking, well, the, the Beatles did it, the, um, oh, yeah. you know, the, it's going to be all right. All right. You know, I was thinking, was it, if it's been, been done too much, but, but may, maybe it hasn't been done for a while, you know? <laughs> well, I think it's, it's probably fell out of fashion as well, but yeah. I, I definitely appreciated the uh, guitar on the two and the four, which is, is a big, uh, Oh, the little two. Yeah. 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 It was right, on, big... right on the snare. Yeah. I was trying to nail it right when the snare hits, you know, to get yeah. that kind of combination of the, the, the R&B sound. Yeah. 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 Of course, and there was usually like three guitars on most of those Motown songs too. That's that's right. I I didn't. I you know when I listened to Sugar by Honey Bunch, that, that was the one. You know, I, I just realized how. how well, the, the record. It's funny. The recording is not as. Um, what's the word? It, it's good recording, but it's it's not as tight as you your memory thinks it is. It's oh, pretty yeah. loose. You know, like they're not totally together. It's little. You know, it's got all these idiosyncrasies. So. I, I didn't I didn't capture that rawness so much. Mine's a little more right. rigid, you know. But I was going for the the vibe, the, the instrumental vibe more, I guess. Yeah. I went through um, um, a period of really, you know, going through all the old uh, Motown stuff and trying to to replicate uh, some of those sounds. And when you listen, you listen to them with attention to detail. They were actually really pushing the envelope there's like a lot they were like distorting the drums uh yeah you know they're pushing stuff there was like it, it's not quite as soft i think as people realize think they are at, at first they're they were actually quite i mean they really were pushing the envelope at that time you know mm -hmm. yeah it's interesting when it's when it's just music that you listen to in the background for years and years you know and then suddenly you go and an analyze it and it's yeah. like this is like you say grit, grittier or you know, distorted or something, and you hadn't never noticed it. You know, and the production is so not not loose, but so raw. Like everything now is very clean and very crisp because we record. Where like the stuff was so there's so much bleed through everything. It was yeah, and it was amazing. all done. You know, it was done live. You yeah. know, in one one take yeah. or, or splice takes. You know, but. Um, you couldn't, you had to put up with noise in the room or one little mistake or, you know, I, I always think of the tr the trumpet and when a man loves a woman, this is like one really bad, oh, you know, so at the, bad. At one, right, you know yeah. yeah. 
And it's like, I bet the guy's going, oh, you know, I wish oh. I could think, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it becomes a huge hit. Yeah, so yeah. it still became a hit, so who cares, yeah. right? Because it, because it was the impassioned vocal and the message of the lyric, that would be my argument. It, it wasn't the trumpet that sold it. The trumpet helped, but it, yeah. was, it was Percy Sledge and his voice and the lyric, you know? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And maybe I should have put some deliberate, uh, you know, errors in there. <laughs> well, I would also argue it wasn't the mistake that made it a hit. No, no, no. no. If that was the case, it would be much easier. Yeah, well, exactly. I'd be a multimillionaire if that yeah. were the case. Well, there was a famous Motown song where uh, Jim Jimerson was playing uh, the wrong notes for the first verse all the way through. He was, right. um, it was, he was playing in minor and it was major. So it wasn't huge, but he was hitting the thirds pretty heavy. Right. Yeah. Right. That's amazing. But you know, back then things didn't, uh, come out quite as much. Greg, I see a hand that keeps coming yeah. in the door. I'm just, I'm just over at my brother's place. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's actually my birthday today. So it is. So that's why the, the great shirt. Oh, yes. I had to wear a colorful shirt for my it's birthday. It's your birthday yeah. shirt. Of course. Yes. Oh, well, yes. well, happy birthday. So are you over at your brother's for, for like birthday dinner or something? Yeah, we just we just had somebody. And I said I have to go off to do this, but it was by my own choice. I said I have to go off and do this little interview. Yeah, yeah. That's, um, but uh, well, it was, will send you a cake from yes. From yeah. New, oh. all the way from New I'll, I'll save you some birthday cake from today as well. I'll save yeah, you please some. do. <laughs> okay. So, Greg, what's um, what are your plans for this song? What are you gonna be doing with it? Well, um, first of all, putting it on 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 all the streaming services and and playing playing it live. I I need to do a video, <laughs> which is oh. I know, I'm still working on a video for the last song, um, and um, yeah, I mean, I just I want to get it out onto. Um, onto YouTube and and eventually on a, on a physical a physical album. My plan is to do 10 songs, I think like a lot of people do, and then at the end of it, create a, a physical album at the end of it, you know? Right. But, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know where, you know, all the things that, that are gonna come up to, 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 that will present themselves yet, you know? it's. It's it's when you're it's like a one it feels like a madness one man need um, sometimes trying to do all these things you know promoting and playing and keeping writing you know so it's a, it's a lot of multitasking. I agree. Um, so I could say it's a vanity project in some ways because um, I, I just I want to do it that that's the that's the motivator. Um, if it you know maybe it'll catch on on Spotify maybe somebody will stream it a million times you know i i don't know so a technique that's um a lot of people have been doing is taking a short bit of your song like the chorus or the bridge or some part that's kind of neat and making a short TikTok out of it yeah. and actually sometimes taking their song and cutting it up into different pieces and making multiple TikToks to it and i think with TikTok, it's a little bit sort of like you just put stuff out there and see what kind of sticks because there's so much out there well i'm it's funny you said it because I'm on TikTok and I I have been putting it on on there and I had I had the most success. I did a cover of Sultans of Swing on there and mm. I managed 5.8 million views on that. Wow! Which got me 20,000 subscribers and I thought great. But now I'm putting my own stuff on and I'm only getting in the hundreds. You know, so it's so it's so hard to go. Yeah. To to, to rival. Hang on, I got. Okay. Uh, okay. 
We're not fancy here. <laughs> that's uh, well, that's great. Yeah, that, that that is the frustration, though. I guess you do a, a cover, and uh, and and you get all that attention, and then doing your yeah. own. Yeah, and then it, yeah. So I'm trying to find how to replicate that, you know, with with um, my own writing, you know. But mm-hmm. it, it has to it remains to be seen. How? Yeah. yeah, I, I mean that, that that's what they say, you know. Do do a cover, get get the attention, and then present your own stuff. But then it's got to be similar you know uh, right. i suppose and and well, this isn't like sultans of swing so uh, you know so what do you do yeah. there's the dilemma yeah well that's uh, great thanks so much for coming on the show greg because uh, i think that's all the time we have here on song talk radio greg where can people get more of you well i'm on uh gregwired.com um and my my name after Instagram, Instagram slash Greg Wired, uh, YouTube at Greg Wired, uh, Facebook, uh, Greg Wired Music. So um, all those places I, I'm available. And Spotify, uh, starting, starting July 28th, uh, this song will be available. So. Nice. And can you spell your last name? It's W-Y-A-R-D. It's like a yard with a W in front. <laughs> That's great. Wired. Well, um, don't forget to stop by the website at songtalk.ca to uh, find past shows, find out how you can be a guest. And don't forget about the Songwriting Challenge of 2023 and uh, get your songs in uh, so we can include them in the upcoming show. And my monitor just died. <laughs> Anyways, um, Blair, what's uh, how can people get more of uh, your good stuff? Well, I've got my website, uh, blairpackham.com. Um, but I'm also the real Blair Omatic at Instagram, and uh, I'm on Twitter, and I'm pretty easy to find, I think. Yes. All right, and don't forget that we want to hear from you, the listener, on any subject. So send us an email at feedback at songtalk.ca. And if you happen to be um, in the Toronto region, you can join us for the next Song Talk meetup. Now happening live um, in Toronto, stop by the website for a link. And every now, every other time we do it on Zoom, so you can join us on Zoom. It's free to attend and uh, a great way of networking with other uh, people. Uh, you can find uh, links to all the uh, books and resources we mentioned here on the show on the resources page. And um, yes, join us for the Songwriters Meetup. Uh, it's on live and in person. You can get more of Neil at uh, neilmody.com. You can get more of me at philemory.ca. And um, Blair, what's your thing one more time? Oh, uh, my website, blairpackham.com. And also on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, probably. I don't remember. Uh, <laughs> the real blair o I think you can get it. All right. Greg, what's your favorite uh, social media channel? Favorite social media channel? Um, I, just because I've been spending more time on TikTok. Um, I, I'm going to say that I don't like everything that's on there, but uh, there's some good, there's some great music I found on there. You know. Thanks so much, Greg, and please stop by the website at songtalk.ca to browse past shows, find out how you can be a guest. Thanks for listening, everyone, and keep on um, writing. Right. That's yeah. <laughs> well, something like that. Keep practicing the writing. Yeah. Keep practicing. Keep on writing. Keep on yeah. practicing endings. <laughs>